0: Welcome those who are watching tonight. We are back to live stream. Uh, those of you who are home or out of state or on vacation or uh, wherever you might be but you're watching tonight, welcome. We're, we're glad to have you too. So would you turn with me to an obscure piece of scripture tonight, uh, First Chronicles chapter 4. First Chronicles chapter 4. If you're new to the Bible, um, just letting you know it's towards the front. Uh, it'll be right after First and Second Kings, so if you need to find it. If you did not bring a Bible, uh, it's okay. You can watch the screen. If you brought a digital Bible, it's really easy to find anything because <laughs> you can could, you could just tap on it, right? <laughs> you just tap on it and get, get where you need. So we're going to start reading in uh, verses 9 and 10. Uh, I, I call it an obscure piece of Scripture um, because you don't hear it preached on a whole lot, but what you do hear is you hear it sang in songs. So does anybody uh, remember the prayer of, of Jabez song? Uh, that, w- that was a song that was pretty popular, probably in the late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, so, a songwriter wrote a, a, a worship song about this. Uh, you'll, you'll see it on plaques and things of that nature, uh, but in the, in the greater scheme of where uh, this scripture is actually located, it's kind of obscure. You, know, you don't hear a whole lot of preaching on it, or at least I haven't. Um, but in this moment, it's, it's the only place in the Bible that mentions Jabez. It's the only place in the Bible that talks about him. Uh, it's the only time. And it's in the middle of a genealogy. It, it takes place right in the middle of a genealogy. How many of you, and let's be honest, when you're reading through your Bibles, you skip the genealogies a lot? Right. A lot lot of us do that. Right. When you're you're reading your your one year Bible or something like that. And you're like, okay, uh, uh, I got to the begats. And listen, I'm just going to hop down to right here and start start reading again. Right. Because, number one, you don't understand any of the names. Right. You can't pronounce them usually. uh, So you kind of just skip through. Uh, But a lot of times those genealogies for preachers uh, come in handy because it, it gives you a lot of insight into what's going on in certain families and uh, things that happen. So we, we dig through those genealogies on occasion. In this case, we find the genealogy of Judah. And as it's rolling through the genealogy of Judah, it gets to a man named Jabez. And it breaks out of, of normal form there. Uh, it, it leaves the begats. And it actually gives you just a little glimpse into Jabez. Right. So I want to read verses 9 and 10. It reads like this. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. And his mother called his name Jabez, saying, because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory, that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil, that I may not cause pain. So God granted him what he requested. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the opportunity to dig into your scripture and your word tonight. Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us. uh, As always, Father, that I am just a a vessel and a mouthpiece, Lord, that you would just speak through me tonight. Uh, Lord, as always, that we would see folks healed. uh, We would see hearts mended. uh, That we, we would see people get a glimpse of your heart for them. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. So yesterday... I was driving, actually it may have been the day before yesterday, but I was driving on 44, and I happened to come across uh, this van that was stopped in front of me at the red light. And how many of you read bumper stickers, you know, when, you're, when people are stopped in front of you at the red light? You tend to, okay, we're, we're sitting here for a second, I want to see what they've got plastered on the back of their car, right? And a lot of times it's stuff that's just, eh, you know, you don't really care about. Uh, but most of the time we read it anyway. Well, in this case, I pulled up behind this lady, and it was very apparent that she had a handicap. It was very apparent that she was physically disabled in some way. And you say, did you see that because she had a handicap tag? And, and yes, she had a handicap tag, but that wasn't why. And you say, well, did you see the handicap hanger hanging from the rearview mirror, the, where she could park in handicapped spots? And yes, she had one of those, but that wasn't why. Uh, the main reason it was very apparent uh, that this woman had a physical impairment is because plastered all over the back of her van were big, huge handicap uh, stickers. So they were they were uh, in varying sizes, and they were plastered just all over the back of the van you couldn't miss it and then there was one huge sticker right in the middle of all the handicap stickers and it said stay back I have a fused neck right and she was alerting and telling drivers and making sure that drivers knew that there was something wrong with her and that if they hit their hit her car uh, it could cause her great harm Right, so, so it was stickered and, and placed just all over the back of this van uh, telling people to stay back, stay away, uh, don't get too close. right She was wearing her labels boldly. so nobody could miss them, right it, They were bold. They were all over her car. And listen, if you're here tonight and that's you, I am not picking on you. I'm just using this as a as a, as a notice. And I don't think she's in this. I don't think she's here uh, tonight. But just in case, or uh, one of her family members says, I'm not picking on her. I'm using this as an example of the labels that we wear. Okay. So so she wore these labels boldly all over the back of her van so that nobody driving in that vicinity could miss them. Right. She wore her labels as a warning To other people stay back because if you get too close you're gonna hurt me right stay back I have a fused neck and if you tap my bumper even it's gonna cause me great pain right so she wore her labels so boldly so that everybody around knew better than to try to get close to her everybody around knew better than to try to come into contact with her right these labels were warnings to people in her life to stay back, stay away. What it was also saying is I am damaged goods. I have problems. I have struggles. I have situations in my life. Some people have issues. I have the whole subscription, right? I have every subscription from 1970 right on up to today, right? Some people got a couple issues. I got them all. Right. But but she's saying in this moment, uh, stay back. I'm damaged goods. But can I tell you today that the woman driving that van is so much more than a handicapped person? The woman driving that van is so much more than a woman who happens to have a, a disability. The woman driving that van is so much more than just a person with a fused neck. Right. But if all you see are her labels, that's all you think about. And I got to thinking uh, about us as people when I saw that van. I got to thinking about how uh, we as people wear our labels, and maybe maybe not so boldly and proudly. Sometimes we wear them on t-shirts, you know, funny t-shirts that say stuff about us, right? Sometimes we do, but most of the time we wear those labels not verbally, uh, but just in sign, and how we act, and how we, how we communicate, and how we treat other people, and how we allow other people into our lives, we wear those labels. And depending on what labels we wear and what struggles we have in our life, uh, sometimes uh, if we've got major issues or or major challenges going on in our personalities and in our life, we wear these labels that say, stay back. Don't get too close to me because I know if you get too close to me, you're going to hurt me, right? And we keep people at an arm's length. And what happens is because we're built to be in relationship with other people, when you keep people at an arm's length, in essence, you're keeping God at an arm's length, right? Because God will oftentimes operate for you and through other people to you. So if you hold everybody at an arm's length and you say, stay back, because if you get too close to me, I know you're going to hurt me. And why would somebody feel that way from, because they have past experiences with it. People have hurt them before in the past. They have past experiences and situations where if they've laid their heart out or they wore their heart on the sleeve and their heart got broken and their heart got hurt. And then so they started placing labels on their life saying, I'm a loner. I'm, I'm going to stay over here. I'm I'm going to do me and you do you. Okay, I'm going to be over here doing me and you stay way over there because if you get too close to me, I know eventually you're going to hurt me. Right? And we wear these labels and we, we wear them loud and proud in how we act, communicate, and relate to other people. Right, We wear these labels loud and proud. Now, there's a, there's a larger curse over mankind. Right. And we know that curse. If we were to flip back a few books from where we're at right now and we go to Genesis, we know that there was a, a curse over mankind and because of sin. so sin came in the world and uh, uh, there's a curse over this planet and there's things that aren't always going to go right. And sometimes people are going to be sick and sometimes people are going to break your heart. And sometimes you've got to work by the sweat of your brow and it hurts when you have a baby. Right. There's curses that were placed on mankind as a result of sin right? There's things that are, that are a part of that. And that's a larger curse that we, we, we deal with, uh, on this planet until such a time that we're, we're relieved and Jesus comes back, takes us right. And, and at such a time as we're relieved and, and you you have this whole millennial reign with Christ on earth and, and everything is, is reversed at that point. Right. But until then, we've got to deal with the struggle that's on this planet. We've got to deal with that larger curse. But can I tell you apart from that larger curse, that we deal with. Many of us deal with smaller curses on a regular basis. Many of us deal with smaller curses. There's specific instances of cursings in our life that still occur. And when I say that, some of you thought I said cussing, and I'm not saying cussing, I'm saying cursings, right? Uh, Yes, probably some of y'all get cussed at too, but cussed is not what I'm talking about. Somebody may cuss at you, but I'm talking about cursing you, I do mean, even know there's a difference between cussing and cursing, right? I mean, cussing is like, ah, man, don't talk to me like that, or don't talk at me like that. But a cursing is saying something over you that if you don't get rid of, it can take a foothold and get a, get a grip on your life, right? Somebody could speak curses over you. So not talking about cussing, but cursing, what does that look like? It could be, uh, these are, are biblical terms, but it could be evil oaths, right, spoken over your life. It could be angry words that somebody regularly speaks over you. Uh, It could be uh, verbal labels that somebody spoke over you or placed on you. And eventually, if you haven't gotten rid of it or given it to God or allowed God to heal you from it, uh, those words end up being realized in your life. They end up being realized in your existence, right? Uh, Sometimes uh, we've all probably seen and heard stories where somebody told a kid growing up, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good, right? Like Like the song goes. And somebody kept telling them that over and over and over and over again. You're no good, you're no good, you're no good, you're no good. And eventually they grow up and they believe they're no good. So if they believe they're no good, they start acting no good. Right. That's a curse that was placed on somebody's life and realized over time because they never got rid of it and they continually carried it. Right. So parents, grandparents that are in this room, we've got to be careful the words that we speak over our kids and grandkids. We got to be cautious. Uh, I I absolutely cringe when I hear a mom say, oh, that's a little demon spawn. I cringe at that. I'm like, no, no, you know, or, or when somebody says, oh, you're just a little dummy or, or somebody uses words like that to talk to kids and grandkids. And, and I'm telling you today that those are curses that you're placing on their life. So when we speak over them, we, we need to speak in, in, in the right words, right? So, so Jabez was born from the tribe of Judah. And if you know anything about the tribe of Judah, who else was born from the tribe of Judah? Jesus. Jesus came from the same tribe that Jabez came from. Uh, God chose the tribe of Judah uh, to bring out the lion of Judah. Uh, But earlier than that, uh, God chose the tribe of Judah to bring out Jabez. And Jabez came from that tribe. So how many of you know uh, from studying the Bible or listening to scriptures or listening to, to preaching over time that names in Hebrew culture were markers for people's lives? So when, when people came out, their mother or their father named them and gave them a marker for their life, right? Whatever they called them tend to realize out in their, in their existence. We, we see it all throughout Scripture. The name given at birth was a proclamation of who this person was going to be. Now, uh, we don't put as much emphasis in our culture on names. We, we just pick names that sound cool. Right. So we don't put a lot of emphasis on what that name means and where it comes from. So there's not as much emphasis on that in our culture. So in our culture, it's not so much the names that we name our children. It's the names that we call our children. Right. It's not so much what we name them and what's on the birth certificate. It's what we call them when we grow when they're growing up in our households. Right. It's the names that we call them. It's the things that we speak over them uh, that become issues in their life. So Jabez's mother named him, literally, he will cause pain. So literally, when Jabez was born, her mother said, I am in such pain uh, from birthing this one that I'm going to name him that he will do nothing in this life but cause pain. And that's what I'm going to place on him. I'm going to name him that he will cause pain. So in her own pain, Jabez's mother projected her pain on Jabez. I wonder how many of us today, if we're honest with ourselves, can say, those of us who have raised kids or been around kids growing up, uh, that there have been times in our life where our own pain has caused us to speak pain over our kids. Right. Our own issues, our own problems, our own stuff that we're dealing with causes us to speak things over our kids that doesn't line up with who God called them to be. Right. So it's brokenness, which begets brokenness, which begets brokenness, which begets brokenness. So eventually at some point it's got to stop. Right, uh, I saw a meme on, on Facebook today that had a, had a guy pouring out a bottle of vodka, and the meme said, uh, generational curses raged through my family and alcoholism until it came to me right? So that's the, that's the idea that we've got to take that. No, I'm not going to be just like my parents. I'm going to take the good from my parents and I'm going to leave the broken behind in my parents, right? I'm, I'm going to take the good from the generations in my family. and I'm going to leave the broken behind in the generations of my family. Uh, I've got an earthly father, which gives me good, but he also gave me some bad. And I've got an earthly mother that gave me some good, but there was also some bad. So guess what? I've got a heavenly father that I can go To and that heavenly father will take the bad that came along and remove it so that I've got a new outlook and a new position moving forward in life. Right? We can actually break off generational curses and things that were spoken over us. God did not intend for you to walk through this life carrying the curses of what happened before you in the past. You don't have to do it. Amen? You don't have to do it. So, so there are several instances in Scripture, especially during, like, the childbirth of, of Leah and Rachel, for example, where mothers place labels on their sons at birth, right? We, we see one such instance when Rachel gave birth to Joseph, right? Rachel gave birth to Joseph, and then after she gave birth to Joseph, she got pregnant one more time. And in, as she was pregnant with a second son that she gave Jacob, uh, she died because of that pregnancy, So Rachel had one child that she gave to Jacob and her second child in childbirth. It injured her so much that she eventually passed away shortly after childbirth. But she was in so much pain and so much struggle in the childbirth that she said she named him Benoni. Benoni. Benoni means son of my emptiness. If you, if you look at different uh, translations, it either means son of my emptiness or son of my sorrow. And it can also mean son of my affliction or son of my trouble, right? In, in the moment of her pain and in the moment of her grief, she inflicted that on her newborn baby son and said, I'm going to name him and he's going to carry that label for the rest of his life that he caused and inflicted grief and emptiness at the moment of his birth. And she said, I'm going to name him Benoni. So Jacob, how many of you know Jacob? If you've studied uh, his history, Jacob knew the price to be paid for names that were given at birth. Jacob's name uh, actually means trickster or deceiver or heel grabber. Because he came out uh, with his twin brother Esau and, and had grabbed Esau's heel Right? And they, they named him a trickster deceiver, which is what Jacob actually meant during that time frame. Uh, Jacob meant trickster deceiver. And guess what? Jacob was realized in his life. Eventually, over time, it was realized in Jacob's life that he became a trickster and a deceiver. Right. And Jacob is most known in the early portions of his life uh, for being a trickster and a deceiver, deceiving his brother, deceiving his father on his deathbed. Uh, He even deceived his father in law. Right. Deception and tricks became a part of who he was because that was what he was named and called at birth. So Jacob knew better uh, than to allow this to happen to his son. So after he heard Rachel name his, his son Benoni, he said, no, ma'am. And he picked up the boy and he walked outside and he said, your name will not be Benoni. Your name will be Benjamin. Benjamin. Uh, So Benjamin became one of of the sons of Israel because God eventually changed Jacob's name from Jacob to Israel, and Israel became the father of the 12 tribes of Judah, right? Israel became uh, something greater than what he was called and named at birth, right? Because God changed that in his life. So Jacob knew the importance of what that was, and he named him Benjamin, which means son of my right hand. So he went from being named son of my sorrow to son of my right hand. Son of my right hand is a high honor. And Benjamin uh, was, a, was a son that was highly honored by Israel. So, so Jabez recognized this. As he got older, that the, the possible curse on his life that was placed by his mom needed to go. So as, as Jacob began to get older and began to think about this curse that was placed on him by his mother, uh, he knew that it had to change. We don't know much about what happened. We only get a couple of verses of this moment in scripture. Uh, it could have been that, that Jabez had already begun to struggle with causing pain in people's lives. Maybe he had already walked through some of that, made some bad decisions. Uh, we don't know how old he was when he came to this realization. All we know is that at some point in in Jabez's life, he came to the realization that the names that I was called at birth needed to go. That the, the, what was laid on me as my destiny at birth had to change. So he came to a moment uh, that he knew it needed to change. So what did he do? He called on the God of Israel. He went to his heavenly father. And he said, this thing has to be removed from my life. Can I tell you today that only God can completely remove a label that's been placed on you by life. Only God can completely remove a label off of your life. Uh, and no amount of counseling. No amount of therapy. No amount of walking through uh, uh, time after time of, of, of situation after situation. No amount of getting sick. Of, sick and tired of being sick and tired. Uh, none of that will change a label that was placed on your life or a curse that was placed on your life. What will really change and completely remove the curse is your Father God. Your Father God. Amen. Only God can lift the lid off of your life. Because when you're living under a curse, you can only, you can only rise so far. You have, you have a lid over you, uh, and, and, and some people, maybe not people in this room, but maybe people that you have in mind tonight, some people, you see them begin to break free from the things that, that kept them captive when they were young, and they get so far, and they take a, a handful of steps, and then they slip back, and they, they step back out, and they, they beat their chest, and they say, I'm going to beat this thing that has been on my family and on my life, and they take a couple more steps, and then they slip back. And, and they're trying to overcome the curse under their own power. They're trying to overcome the curse over their own strength and their own abilities. But can I tell you today that Jabez knew that he couldn't overcome that curse in his life from his own power and own strength and own abilities, but he took it to the God of Israel. He took it to the one who could, amen? So only God can lift that lid on your life. Only God can remove the limitations that's on your life. So if you're fighting and struggling with something in your life, only God can remove that. Only God can change that in your life. The only person who has the power to change it is God. So in this case, uh, as, as other cases throughout the Bible, we see God and we see Jesus uh, changing people's names. Right? They say, uh, you're no longer Jacob, now you're Israel. Right? Uh, you're no longer Saul, now you're Paul. Right. He he changes names and people change uh, how they're seen and how they're viewed uh, throughout Scripture. And in this case, I find it interesting uh, that in these couple of verses, it doesn't say that God changed Jabez's name. But he changed his existence. And it's most important that God changes your existence, not necessarily just the name that people call you. Because can I tell you today that uh, with God's anointing, And God's authority and God's power over your life, it doesn't matter what people call you. All that matters is what he calls you. So in this case of Jabez, they didn't change his name. So let's take a moment and look at the prayer of Jabez. It said this, oh, that you would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil and that I may not cause pain. So let's, let's break that out for just a second. This is what he said. He said, O oh Lord God of Israel, bless me, Lord. Let your blessings be on my life. Lord, give me influence and favor as far as I can see. Lord, enlarge the amount of territory where I roam, where people come to know who I am and know my character and my existence. God, enlarge my territory of influence that I have over other people in my life. God, enlarge the testimony in my life. God, enlarge the anointing on my life. God, enlarge the blessings on my life. God, enlarge every area of my life that I need to do whatever it is that you've called me to do. Because I know I can't stay stuck under a lid and limited and unavailable and and just focused and answering to the names that other people call me and still do all the greatness that you've called me to do. So I'm telling you, uh, I'm asking you tonight, Lord, to enlarge my territory, increase me, Father. I'm not afraid of what it is you have for me next, I'm not afraid, I don't feel limited, and I'm no longer going to answer to the names that people call me. But I'm going to begin to walk in the name and the authority and the power and the anointing that you've given me, Lord, so that I can do great things for you. Because how many of you know it's all about him? It's all about Jesus. And God, if you've got a heart that's postured before Jesus, he will move in your life and remove the cursings that need to go and begin to enlarge your territory. Because if your heart is properly postured uh, to him, he will increase your influence in the territory in your life. But we've got to have that proper postured heart. And we see Jabez come to his father, the God of all of Israel, with a properly postured heart. And he asks for these things. Give me influence and favor. He says, Anoint me, Lord, for you. Anoint me, Lord, for your sake, not for my sake not so that i can look great amongst men and not so that people will look up to me and i can look down on others but anoint me lord for your sake so that when they see the miracles and the things that come from the walk that you've given me lord that their lives will be changed because of it lord anoint me for your sake lord and then he says keep me from sin Keep me, Lord, from from falling into sin and remove this curse that was placed on my life. Remove this curse. And I I think just like Jabez, that if we get real before God. And and listen, most most of us in this room know what the curses are. That's not something we have to go study and figure out and, and, and dive deep. I mean, most of us in this room know what our limitations are. We know what lid we have on our life that we need to remove. We know what causes us to struggle and keeps us from moving forward. We know what they are. The next step is taking that posture before God and laying it at his feet and saying, God, take and remove all of these limitations, lids, and labels off of my life. And God, allow me to do amazing things for you. And do you know when you have a a right postured heart before him, He he will do the most amazing things in your life. And we we kind of talked about this Sunday, but he he will do amazing things in your life if you have a postured heart before him. Because he knows that he's still going to get all the glory for what he's doing. And if he gets the glory, he'll continue to do amazing things in your life. And this is what I say. God will use you to provide the healing for somebody else. But as you're being obedient and walking in the healing of providing healing for somebody else, God will also provide the healing for you. Right. And it's 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 amazing. But this is where we see Jabez. So just like in the case of Benoni, who was named Benjamin instead, it requires intervention by our father to see the change. Jacob was Benjamin's daddy. And Jacob stepped in and said, oh, no, you're not going to wear that label all your life, son. This is going to be your name. You're going to have a name of honor, not a name of sorrow. You're going to have a a name of honor, not a name associated with grief. You're not going to have to carry the weight of your mother's death all of your life. You're not going to have to carry the weight of your father's death all of your life. But you're going to to walk into a room and they're not going to associate who you are with who happened to you or what happened in the past. And so it, it requires a father to step in in that moment. It requires a father to bring that change in your life. And in the same way it requires the Father to bring that change into your life. It requires him. Amen. So labels are placed on us in a few different ways. One way is an authority figure in our life, a parent or somebody in authority over us constantly spoke it over us as we were coming up. So you can have a label in your life because it was constantly spoke over you nonstop. They continued to speak this over you as you were coming up. Uh, Next label that we can wear is because we were accused of it so much that it finally just stuck. That Somebody accused me of this so many times of being this that eventually I gave in and just became this. right? How many of you know that's the way the enemy works in our lives? Enemy will accuse you of it and call you it until you finally break down and receive it and accept it, right? That's why we take captive thoughts and we get rid of thoughts and we don't accept the thoughts that come from the enemy, right? I always talk about when we take captive those thoughts, I, I always go to Jack Bauer in 24. I don't know how many of you watched Jack Bauer in, in 24, but every terrorist he came across, he tied to a chair and stuck a gun in their face and made them tell them who he came from. Right. Every thought that you have running through your life, if it doesn't line up with God, you take that thought captive and you make it say where it came from. And when you find out that it came from the enemy, you execute that thought. You don't keep it alive in your mind and allow it to lead you down wrong paths. You execute that thought immediately. You get rid of it. Right. Thoughts will will grow and compound and overtake like vines in your mind. And I don't know if anybody's ever had to deal with vines. I got vines on the side of my pool deck, man, and they are vicious. They break their way through the screen, crawl across my ceiling. And, man, if I hadn't been out there in a couple of months, I've got a jungle I've got to deal with. Like, I've got to go out there and pull these things down. and It pulls the texture off my ceiling out there on the pool deck. It breaks my screens. I'm to the point now I've got to cut these vines down and just pull the screens out and replace them because they're so ate up from these vines. The vines do the same thing in our mind. If you let thoughts completely take over your your mind and you don't take them captive and deal with them and their thoughts from the enemy, next thing you know, you'll have blinds eating up every area of your thought life. And these these vines will come in and just eat it up and cover it up so that you don't even recognize the good thoughts from the bad thoughts because you can't even tell them apart anymore. Right, so, so we've got to keep it executed, we got to keep it clean, we got to capture those thoughts. And if they're from the enemy, execute them. If they're from God, uh, let them live out, let them begin to live out in our life. Amen. So, so labels are placed on us in, in these ways authority spoken over us, we were accused of it so much it finally stuck, or it was the result of a sin or a failure in our life that we can't seem to live down. There's so many people. Who are walking around with labels as a result of a sin or a failure that happened in their life. And they're not living it down and they haven't taken it captive and they haven't allowed God to deal with it. And they haven't given it to him and let God replace it with, with words of honor in your life. And you refuse to, to live it down and then it becomes a label on your life. And then you, you, you don't become who you are in God. You become what you did. Right, and it changes your existence. So we're uh, not able to live down a sin or a failure. Fourthly, is a generational curse that we just haven't dealt with. Sometimes we 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 joke in jest of our generational curses, and we say, "Well, I'm just like that because my grandpa, man, and he was angry. He would fight at the drop of a hat. So he would fight at a drop of a hat. I fight at a drop of a hat, I'm just like my grandpa." Ha ha ha. You know we laugh about it we make light of it and the truth is it's a generational curse of anger in our life that we need broken off we need to deal with it or man you know i i now, nah, i'm not gonna get there we'll move on so so it could be generational curses that we haven't dealt with so how many of the you know, labels can also be positive right god places labels on us too that's why it's so important to take captive these thoughts and these things that are spoken in your mind and see who they came from. Because some labels can be positive. Uh, listen, child of God. That's a positive label. Listen, beautiful. Uh, my, my grandkids, I started this thing. I, I got it from another uh, preacher that I know. Uh, who started naming his grandkids, and he had grandkids way before I did, and I always thought it was the coolest thing. And I said, you know, when I have grandkids one day, I'm going to do this. And, and so when Waylon was born, uh, I call him Waylon the Great. So every time I see Waylon, I say, Waylon the Great. And a lot of times when his mom posts pictures on Facebook, I write underneath it, Waylon the Great. And as he gets older and understands what his pop-pop is saying, he's going to know that I'm calling the greatness out of him. That I'm saying, Waylon, my grandpa thinks I'm great. My grandpa thinks I'm awesome. Matter of fact, he calls me Waylon the Great. And I'm going to continue that through his life, calling the greatness out of him. And when Sawyer was born, I called her Sawyer the Beautiful. So while we have Waylon the Great and Sawyer the Beautiful, and I'm calling the beauty out of my granddaughter, and I'm calling the greatness out of my grandson. And it's, it's cute, and it's funny, and it's fun, but it's also calling them what God would have me to call them. Right? It's, it's avoiding cursings over their life. So, so beautiful, great, talented. And talented. Gifted anointed, loved. Everybody in this room wears the label of loved by your heavenly father. Your heavenly father loves you. And the one person in the Bible who really accepted that was John. (laughs) John wrote about himself and called himself the beloved. (laughs) The beloved of Christ, the one Jesus loves. He accepted and received that. And I tell you today, that's okay for you to accept and receive that label from God, that you are loved by him. Amen? So these are, these are positive labels. But then there's, there's negative labels that the enemy tries to put on us. And, and if we don't get rid of them, we carry them. And the, the negative labels we have to remove are labels like this, failure. And, and some of us just look at our lives and look at ourselves and look at our situations and we speak it over ourselves and we say things like, I'm nothing but a failure. And it's, it's speaking a curse over your own life. And then we may wear the tag sinner. You know, there's a reason that in the New Testament, uh, they, they, they stop calling us sinners at some point as followers of Christ and start calling us saints, right? We were sinners, now we're saints of God. How are we saints of God? Because of what Jesus did for us. We get to wear that label. There's, there's words that we, we carry around with us. Like we say, I'm broken. I'm an addict. I'm a cheater. I'm nobody. I'm nobody. Nobody cares about me. And these are labels that the enemy places on people's lives to destroy any chance that you've got of being effective. If he can get you to believe that you're just a nobody, he can get you to be ineffective, not just for your own family, but ineffective in the kingdom of God. And we got to believe that we're better than that. The woman in the minivan with all the handicap labels all over the back is no different than those of us who walk around with these broken labels and we call ourselves broken, stay back, this is who I am. I watched a, a show, I kind of got sucked into it, it was, uh, how many of you have ever got sucked into a show like on Netflix or YouTube or something like that? Uh, I got sucked into this show, and it was, it was an artsy kind of one-man show, and I was, I was watching this show, and there was so much depth to what this guy was doing. He was a sleight-of-hand guy and a magician and, and also an entertainer, so he told stories and he did all this stuff, but there was so much depth to the human experience of what he was utilizing in this show. And the, the longer I, I watched it, throughout the show, uh, he kept calling people out of the audience. But he would call people out by their labels, not their name. And then I found out that when people came in to see this show, uh, that they would walk in the front lobby. Uh, I think it was on Broadway, but they would walk into the to the front lobby, and there would be labels all over the wall. And they would be told by the greeters that they had to pick a label that represented them and then put it in their pocket and carry that into the show. So all these people that were sitting in the small studio audience, uh, or or the small audience, whatever it was, but all these people who were sitting there carried this label in their pocket. And throughout the show, he would call people out and say, okay, I need the skeptic to come up here. And then whoever had that label in their pocket would have to get up and walk up, and they would become a part of the show. He would say, I need the liar to come up here. And then whoever carried that label in their pocket would have to step up and, and walk on stage, and everybody kind of laughed, you know, and and he became part of the show. And he would say, "I need Happy to come up here," and then whoever had picked that label, Happy, uh, walked up and became part of the show. And then at the end of the show, after all of the sleight of hand, the card tricks, the magic tricks, all of the stories, uh, this this magician, this sleight of hand guy, walks up into the audience, and he says if you were not playing around and you picked your label when you walked in out of a seriousness of of what really represented who you are, I need you to stand. And about three quarters of the section that he was in stood. And then he began to walk up to each one and he would look these people in the eye and he would call them by the label they picked. And their labels were in their pockets. And he would say, son. And if they was right, they had to sit down. And he went person to person and called them by their label and they sat down. He said, son. He said, mother. Another one, he said, midnight toker. Another one, he said, friend, quitter, cheater. And one by one, these people looked him in the eye and sat down. He said, believer and somebody sat down. He looked at somebody in the eye and he said the clown and they sat down. He looked at somebody else and he said successful and they sat down. And then there was this moment in the show that he walked up to this guy and man this is a secular show. It had some cussing in it. It was not good. But there was this moment of truth even in the middle of that He walks up to this guy and he says, he looks him in the eye and then the magician kind of looked down and he looked him back in the eye and everybody's staring and they're waiting to see what he says. And he says, nobody. And the guy had tears running down his face. And then he sat down and shook his head yes. And he just looked at him with pity, you know, and then began to walk on to the other people. And it could have been a trick in the show. And, matter of fact, I'm almost certain it was some kind of trick that he was able to call out these people by what they picked. You know, he might have had something in his ear telling him. Uh, but can I tell you today that the enemy will bring people into your life that line up with the curse that you carry? And he will have people walk right up and call you by your label, and you will feel a connection to them. But it's not a connection from God. It's a connection from the enemy. And different, different evil spirits attract different evil spirits. And if you allow these cursings to continue in your life, you're allowing more and more of the opportunity for the enemy to bring people into your life to, to increase and to embolden and to make sure that those cursings play out in your existence. So these like spirits are attracted to each other, and it looks like this. People who have been abused end up with people who abuse. So if you've, if you've noticed, if you've ever talked to somebody in your life who has walked through uh, sexual abuse or physical abuse of some time as a kid, they, they tend to end up with people who also physically or sexually abuse them. Abusers tend to, tend to end up with people who uh, carry the label of a, of a victim or somebody who has been abused until they get to the point in time when they get tired of that and they break that curse off of their life and they take it to God. So people who are in poverty typically attract people who take advantage. So typically when you're in poverty and you wear the label of poverty, you attract people to come into your life who take advantage of you because of your poverty state. People who feel insignificant end up with people who talk down to them. So if you carry the the label or the spirit or the curse of your life of insignificance, I'm a nobody, uh, I don't matter. You end up, the enemy will send people into your lives that are more than happy and more than willing to tell you that you don't matter and you're a nobody. And if we allow that to play out, it will eventually play out in our life. So it's so important, it's so important that any kind of label that was placed on you that is not of God. Any kind of label that was placed on you that, that eats up your life, any kind of label that stops you from doing what God has called you to do has to be broken off of your life. It, it's got to be broken. It's got to be broken today. Jabez called on God. And then in verse 10, it simply says this. So God granted him what he requested. So God granted him what he requested. So you're dealing with a spiritual issue. And when you're dealing with a spiritual issue and you take it before God, you may not see a physical manifestation of what changes, but there's a spiritual manifestation of what changes. So when you take that before God, it may not be a moment where you are fall out in the spirit. It may not be a moment to where, Woo, you just, uh, you, your, your hair turns white like Moses and, and you start running laps. It may not be a moment like that, but if you just simply take it before God, you say, Lord, take this curse off of my life. Bless me. Increase my territory. Keep me from sin. Lord, move in my life. Just like Jabez. God will grant what you ask him to do. You may not see physical manifestation, but you'll see spiritual fruit come from it in your life. Amen. Would you stand with me? Yes, sir. Just with every head bowed and every eye closed tonight. I don't feel like this is a moment to ask you to come up and lay hands on you. And uh, this, this needs to be a moment. If you're, if you're in this room tonight and you recognize and realize that God needs to deal with you in one of these situations. This doesn't need to be a moment of pastor laid hands on me fell out in the spirit, pastor laid hands on me, and I shook, and and things happened. It's not that kind of moment. But if you recognize this, this is what I'm asking you to do is to go home, kind of like I did Sunday. Go home and go to your prayer closet and simply pray the prayer of Jabez over yourself. And tell God that because he's faithful to Jabez, I know, God, that you'll be faithful to me. And you are faithful to remove these things from Jabez's life, Lord. So I know you'll be faithful to remove these things from mine. I don't want to be labeled anymore. I don't want to be limited anymore. I don't want any more lids, Lord, on on what you can use me for and what you want to use me for. So today, Lord, I ask you to remove all of those off of my life. And then this is what I need you to do. Because you already know what your label is. I want you to get specific with God. This is the label I carry, and this is how I got it. And Lord, I need you to remove it. I need you to remove it. Father, I want to see the spiritual fruit of that in my life. I don't need a fancy physical manifestation right now, Lord. I just need you to remove that. And let me start to see the physical fruit of it spiritually in my life. Let me begin to grow like never before. Let me begin to understand the scripture like never before. Let me get more excited than I've ever been to worship and lift my hands and praise you. Lord, let me see the spiritual fruit of it. Lord, begin to remove people in my life who were placed there by the enemy to bring out the hurt and the cursings in my life. Lord, remove those people. And, Father, I ask that you bring in the right people into my life. Bring the right people, Father. And, Lord, give me the wisdom to know the difference. Father, I pray over your people tonight. Lord, as we stand here in this place and we're talking about such an important topic, Lord. This topic that you've placed on my heart. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would go with each and every person in this place. Those, there's, there's some in this room, Lord, who know exactly what the labels are they need to get rid of, and some of them in this room are in a state of, commu- of confusion because the enemy has twisted their thoughts. The vines have covered everything up, and they're in a state of confusion. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would begin to just remove and pull out the vines that are in their mind, that you would begin to pull everything out and begin to shear back Uh, so that you can expose the thoughts that are from the enemy. Holy Spirit, I pray tonight that you would begin to bring to the remembrance the cursings that are affecting their life. I come against fear. I come against shame. I come against worry. And Father, I ask that your people would go boldly before the throne. Boldly and ask you for healing in this area.